everybody. It's Tracy here with the Lincoln Law Pod on SoManyShows.com. And I've got Pete P.I. with me. What's up, Pete? Co-host so good, we don't even need a third. (laughs) Nah, we miss Jay and Mike. And uh, we're talking about the finale tonight. And as part of that, I wanted to give a shout out to Jay, to Mike, to Ted Humphrey, the showrunner, to Manuel Garcia Rufo, and the other cast members who have given us interviews for this season. It takes a lot of people to put together this podcast, and we appreciate everyone who has participated, and we're excited to talk about the finale. We, we thought we learned a lot in episode nine, and there's just more and more in the finale in episode 10, and setting us up for the second season. And so it's great to know that that's in process. So stay tuned again at the end of the podcast to hear more input from showrunner Ted Humphrey and Manuel Garcia Rufo, who plays Mickey. Uh, We have the second part of that interview at the end of this episode. So do not miss out on that. So Pete, what are your general thoughts about the finale? Okay. So I felt like I'm just going to use the analogy that I thought of when the episode was over, I felt like I finished watching an episode of G.I. Joe made by Disney. OK, now, tell me now, more. I'm going to tell you why, because I, I mean, listen, for a show that has so many sketchy characters and murderers and all these bad things and court, they couldn't have given me a more happier ending, I want to say. OK, OK. So to speak, because I feel like a lot of the a lot of the, I like. I don't know. I just every I, there's a there's a sequence at the end of the episode, which we'll get into later, where there's sure. like 15 minutes left and uh-huh. just so many things happen. And it's like, good, good, good. Like you just you wait for the other shoe to drop and it, and it kind of doesn't. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of excited to go into season two. But and a little nervous and a little nervous for season two because we, we I just do- say like like a lot of good moments. I feel like there was a lot of right. feel good moments in the last 15 minutes of this of the season. Yeah, we did. We did get a lot of payoff in this episode as well. I mean, I think we did in episode nine. And again, we we do get a lot of payoffs, a lot of stories wrapped up. And then we have some some haunting kind of imagery to set up for season two. So we're, we're still we're still worried. But it was great to see a lot of resolution come. In let me just finale. let me just point out that, you know, I say this not thinking about season two right now. Just okay. for the moment, in the moment, when I'm watching, you know, season one, episode 10, I'm not thinking season two. So for me, like I said, G.I. Joe made by Disney because, <laughs> you know, there was just the, the, the way they survived and there was morals in the story and there was justice. And, yeah, you know, it wasn't like, you know, uh, you know, there was no glass slipper fairy tale ending. But mm-hmm. I feel like there was justice and like there was a lesson learned and, you know, yeah. they, they brought us into season two. But there was just so many, like you said, the payoffs mm-hmm. and the payoffs were all. I don't know. I, I didn't feel disappointed by any of the payoffs. I was very happy. They all feel good moments like, mm-hmm. you know, with Soto and Melinda and, you know, all these people right. just in a, in a short span, really an emotional roller coaster of, you know, happiness. Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot of good stuff. Well, let's get into Maybe. it. This episode was written by Ted Humphrey and Michael Conley together. They did a great job and directed by David Grossman. So we open up the finale where in that moment from episode nine where we're worried about mickey because he's been hit over the head by mcsweeney so we find out you know more about mcsweeney's role in all of this and that he probably assumably is the one that presumably that took out jerry vincent so now he's ready to end mickey because as he said you just you should have played along with it and um, didn't go with the with the deal and making waves and so he he calls him a loose end so mickey's knocked out 
on the ground trying to kind of come to. He's smart enough to grab a large tree branch, thankfully, and knocks McSweeney with it. But then McSweeney comes, takes it and puts him like in a chokehold with that branch. And he's like blacking out. But thankfully, we hear sirens. Griggs and the police are ascending upon the scene. And Mickey takes a big kick at McSweeney, pushing him off of him with a big kick. He launches that kick at him. And he ends up going over the hill because this is at the Griffith Park Overlook, I believe, is what the sign said. And so he uh, falls backwards, stumbling, and apparently falls so hard and, and so far that we hear one of the cops saying the suspect is DOA. So McSweeney is out. Mickey still in. What do you think of that fight scene? Um, well, I was yeah. still trying to figure out at that point if this was, you know, I'm like, okay, there's obviously Trevor Elliott hired this guy to kill him. Well, that's and the thing. He's like really trying to kill him. So like why, you know, like I, th- I thought everything was over with that situation. They had their talk. They walked away. Uh-huh. Mickey told him he got the privilege. I'm not going to, you know, I can't do nothing. Right. So right. why is this guy still going after him? Right. And that's where Griggs, you know, comes into the conversation saying, so do you think, you know, we think this guy was behind the bribe, but who do you think still, still after you, who's behind this? Do you think Trevor Elliott is still behind all of this? And that, that comes up in conversation with them. And Griggs warns Mickey, you better, he calls it, get sure of, of who's after you. Like you can't just leave this in the wind. And we do, we find out that Griggs still had SIS on following Mickey. That's how that he was able to know what was going on and to, for them to get to the scene when they did, which was great. And I, another thing I thought about, if, if you all out there, I'm sure a lot of you are also Bosch legacy fans. And it's interesting, don't you think, Pete, how in this episode or this episode in the series, the Lincoln Lawyer series altogether, SIS doesn't get such a bad rap, you know, but they kind of got a bad rap in the Bosch legacy season this year. So it's kind of interesting seeing it from both sides. Did you think about that? Oh. I mean, yeah, I, yes, but I don't really try to, I don't really connect the two shows. So to yeah. me, there was just two different types of shows where like, like one, okay, so one show just has a crappy SSI and one show <laughs> has a good one. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, you cause I identify the good guys and the bad guys yeah. in my yeah. mind on the episodes or the seasons and the series. So like, I just happen to know from, you know, one show, Bosch, like I see that the they're the bad guys and like after watching one season of this i'm like oh they're not that bad in this one okay i mean and that happens right because yeah, yeah. you know yeah i don't want to i don't want to talk too much about boss but I yeah there's some, no. two, a lot, two different a lot more shady characters in bosch in the internal and in, you know in internal departments mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but that's because we watched it for so many seasons right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where if you get one a season bosch has like nine you know what i mean like, <laughs> yeah you know yeah. like right you know like a lawyer you know they only have one or two now yeah yeah, I, I mean, I just can't help going back and forth between podcasting about both shows. I end up like, sometimes I even get a little confused, like, oh, no, wait, that was in Bosch. But like, just another interesting comparison is like, or, this is very similar. They We had the the bad Russian mobsters in Bosch Legacy. And then we also have talk of this Sergei yes. being a, a Russian mobster in, in this series. So it's just, it's fun seeing things sprinkled in either well, they, the same they or also, ways. I mean- when we first started watching both episodes, since the series came out pretty similar around each other around the mm-hmm. same time, yeah, I mean, Cisco and Mo, right? <laughs> you know, so for an episode or two, I, as I'm watching both, I try to, you know, get everything and notes written down. I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, these, these, they, you know, they started off being my two favorite guys, you know, mm-hmm. similar positions, but like they're different, they're totally different characters if you right. break them down. However, sure. you know, you're like, 
the names. It wasn't the characters. It was the names that you get confused that yeah, we were crossing right. over. It wasn't really exactly. necessarily characters. It was the names. Yeah. And we got, a, and once, once, yeah, once you start watching, the ball goes rolling, you know, you figure it out. It's no different than anywhere else. So we went through the same thing you guys did, viewers. Yeah. So shameless plug, if you are not listening to the Everybody Counts podcast, also on so many shows.com, join us there for coverage of historic coverage of Bosch and now of Bosch Legacy. Because we're covering both. All right, then we get the opening credits. Mickey's on the phone talking to Lorna and Cisco. He's also talked to Izzy. She was fine. You know, he confirms that she's okay, not in any danger. She went to a meeting and she just kind of went offline for a while. So he checks in with her. He tells Cisco, I believe that he wants him to um, keep pursuing McSweeney. He wants more information on him. Got to get down to the to the bottom of this. Lorna is going to handle the Glory Days visit because Mickey had forgotten that Glory Days, Gloria Dayton is her real name, uh, is coming in town under the premise of having the giving the girlfriend experience to Raj at the furniture store, but they're actually bringing her in to get to her and talk to her about testifying in for a habeas hearing for Jesus Menendez. So he, Mickey's just swamped now. He can't handle that. Lorna says she'll take care of it. She'll meet with Gloria and try to convince her to cooperate and that maybe it's even better that she be the one to do it. Mike, uh, Mikey, Mickey is out on his deck, icing, <laughs> icing his forehead and he's a knock at the door and it's Maggie. And we think we're going to have this reconciliation moment between the two of them. First, she's angry at him for getting himself so, so much in danger, but she, she reminds him that he has a family and that word really resonates with him. He wants to be a family again. They're talking, they kiss you. They're just, we think it's reunited and it feels so good. But then she gets a text from Haley that she needs to be picked up. So their uh, reunion gets cut short, but they do confirm that, yes, they both want to give it a try again, whatever that means. If it means fully getting back together or just being more part of each other's lives, they want to try again and they're going to start doing their Sunday dinners again. So. Good, good, good and bad, I guess, you know, we, I don't know. You don't know. Tell me more. I don't know. I, I don't like it. I feel like <laughs> Mickey needs to be a lone wolf for now. You do? Saying. Okay. Well, yeah. it's, um, I, it's teasing the viewers. I think, you know, Oh, I listen. I I don't want to cut you off. I'm sorry, no, but I know what I know what it's teasing. I'm watching yeah. it. You know, throughout the yeah. whole episode, it's the back and forth. It's just the things that happen later on in the episode with her. Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm not a big fan of, and I haven't been a fan of her all. Like I've been mm -hmm. on and off about her all season, hot and cold, which is fine because I feel like that's the way her character is supposed to draw out. Where like mm -hmm. she's really a good person, but she's forced to you know cross the line because you know, like everybody else, we have pressures in our lives that you know, even though it's not fair, we can't control and may not even be legal. But it is what it is. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah um, I just. Yeah. And I, I guess the point I was going to make is that they're kind of teasing us, making us wonder if we really want them back together, because at, at moments like that, we're like, oh, yeah, they're really made for each other. You know, they should be together. But then when we get later in the episode, we're kind of like, wow, this just doesn't it's not working. There's some problems here. So that that's kind of what I was going for, is that in this moment we think, oh, yes. And then later we have questions because I don't think the viewers are even fully decided on on what we want from their relationship it's a career versus marriage thing i feel mm -hmm. and i'm not saying that they shouldn't be married with careers mm -hmm. but both of these people are number one career driven first so yeah. i yeah. feel like both of them will choose their career over a lot of things in their life and possibly including them moving back in together in wreck asylum mm -hmm. yeah there's so definitely until some the 
some obstacles yeah. that they have to deal with. And I feel like sure. until they're ready to choose each other over their careers, it's never going to work out. And it's okay if that doesn't happen, as long as they identify it and they, you know, every you know they they know what they're doing. I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention, uh, you know, take a little minute to discuss, talk about the Avalon series that's coming up. Another product from Michael Conley and David E. Kelly based on one of Michael Conley's short stories that takes place on the island of Catalina, about 25 miles off the coast of California as part of LA County. Well, Nev Campbell, who plays Maggie, is going to be the lead in that series. And I believe it was Deadline who reported initially that her role will become like a recurring guest role in The Lincoln Lawyer. So we'll still have her in there, but doesn't sound like quite as much. And you have to wonder how that's going to impact this idea of reconciling or not. Well, I'll tell you what, (laughs) I didn't know that news until like recently. Yeah. So my whole opinion has totally changed. I thought they were going to go with this whole nuclear family thing for season Mm -hmm. two. Mm -hmm. But with that news, they can really go the other way, which is... Mm -hmm still have her there for support but you know we'll get into what happens at the end of this episode but she can yeah. easily you know they could easily be like oh well you won't see her working in this city ever again you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like because there's some heat that goes down later which we'll discuss yeah. you know in yeah. a little bit and yeah i feel like it's one of those things where if she's right out of town i could see her being a very humble piece of the city the district and you mm-hmm. know the show yeah so we'll see we'll see Wait and see. All right. So I guess probably, yeah, like the next day or later, that was probably pretty late at night, early in the morning. But Glory Days, Glory Dayton arrives at the hotel. And Lorna, I guess she's, they they have probably had Raj making these texts or they've used his phone or whatever. But Gloria believes that Raj is going to meet her back behind the hotel at the bar. Well, it's Lorna that shows up. And so um, Gloria accuses her of ambushing her. And she's like, no, I just, you know, I wanted to talk. And they, they talk about. But it's an ambush. It is an ambush. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Well, everybody yeah. says you could say whatever you want. That was an ambush. people. Yeah. No, it's, it's definitely orchestrated for, for, you know, a good reason in, yeah. in Lorna's mind. And I think in our minds, but yeah, it was an ambush. So uh, they talk over a drink and we get some more information, some more insight about Lorna from this conversation. She's trying to kind of relate on a level with Gloria. And she tells her about how she uh, went to law school, which was a big deal in her family. And um, she was doing well, loving it. And then there was a professor who tried to take advantage of her, showed a special interest in her, encouraged her, but then tried to take it too far. And Lorna was able to escape that incident, but she ended up leaving law school as well. So that was something she shared with Gloria. And she's like, you know, you don't like it when a man takes something from you. And Gloria's like, no, 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 no man has ever taken anything from me. But then Lorna talks about the other woman who was killed and um, by this attacker that Gloria escaped. Gloria escaped the attacker and then told Nikki that that wasn't the, the real person who killed um, Martha. But anyway, she has a look on her face and Lorna surmises that Martha Renteria was Gloria's friend. So that, you know, adds a lot of emotion to the situation. And Gloria still says, no, you know, I'm just going to head out. But Lorna gives her her card and asks her to come talk to them. Do, please do, encourages her, pleads with her, please do what would, you know, honor Martha in this situation. Uh, Any thoughts on that exchange? Pete, any notes? Okay, so... Very minimum, very minimal thought. I wasn't going to bring it up, but, you know, since you asked, I'm going to bring it up. <laughs> I feel like that conversation five minutes later or three minutes later, she walks into the office and says, you're ready to talk to me. So I feel personally as a TV watcher, 
mm-hmm. and we find out later that it's probably connected, mm-hmm. that that conversation was more for um, Lorna, more for her than it was for Glory Days mm-hmm. or Glory Dayton, because you see what happens at the end of the episode Yeah. on the computer, which we'll get to later. Yeah. But, you know, she ends up, I feel like that conversation is kind of like giving you a quick background which, mm-hmm. and you know, because you could have just skipped that whole scene, yeah, yeah, and just had Gloria Dayton walk up and be like, "Oh, Lorna contacted me and said you wanted to see me." Yeah, yeah, yeah I, so, I agree. It, it was it. It. Gave I didn't us... realize it at, at the time, mm-hmm, right? And even even after watching it two or three times, I didn't realize it until mm-hmm. today when I was making my final notes for the podcast, yeah. where it became something to look at and think about. And I said, you know what, this is connected because this is just showing us that it's using the, the Glory Dayton story. Mm-hmm. to set up her move at the end of the episode so yeah yeah it was yeah. definitely more of a reveal yes of things about lorna than gloria but it was a nice made sense that they they did it that way so and it yeah, came full I, circle once again because that's yeah. what michael connelly does <laughs> yeah so we shift gears uh, we see maggie meeting with langford she gets bad news from him that the recording was corrupted and he wants tanya to testify and she's like no way i'm not i'm not putting her on the stand and she's can like, i ask you a question you're going to have to do it. What? Right. So I'm watching this and I'm like, I hate Langford. And I'm sure you're doing the same <laughs> thing, right? You hate Langford. However, we've interviewed him with other shows. He's such a great guy. Very so good. So it's point. like, it's hard to hate him. It's such, like, it's like, because well, I just want to root for him, but I can't because he's doing what he's supposed to do, which is making me, I'm, I'm somebody who likes this character mm-hmm, to start. Mm-hmm. And now I just don't. And he's doing that job by acting, you know, doing a great, great job. acting. Great job. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you guys, if you want to if you want to listen more about his role that he had on Bosch, just go to so many shows and search for Jamie McShane and you can listen to the podcast with our interview with him. And yeah, um, Pete's absolutely right. Great guy. Gave us some great insights and very just very kind. And as you know, usually is the case when you interview folks. But, you know, I don't know why we're always so surprised, but it's just because they're so good at their job. They're they're making you hate this character. And they're and like you said, they're making you go from being interested in this character. Maybe you like him and then to just absolutely not liking him. So I think, yeah, it's just it just chalked up to to doing good work. But, yeah, that was a, that was a good interview. And it is it, it does, it's hard sometimes to not let that interfere with your thoughts about the character. But for me, uh, it's just he's so good that. I just, yeah, I couldn't, I can't stand him. I wasn't thinking about Jamie McShane. I was thinking about. Exactly. Langford. Like I just, I don't like this guy right now in this moment. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So yeah, she's like, I've got to go write a motion because you're going to have to testify and we'll go from there. You know, she's, we're doing this, you know, we're going to nail Soto. So another obstacle of course in their effort to convict Soto, but there's the backup plan. So we shift back over to the office and Cisco's bringing in some files about McSweeney they're kind of joking because they're going through the mail and Lauren's going through the mail and Mickey gets a jury summons which is just really funny for a defense attorney like who's going to pick a defense attorney to be part of a jury and then Gloria arrives like you said she decides to come and she talks to them and they offer her protection they'll get the police on it and she's like whoa 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 that's who I'm afraid of I don't that's who was keeping me who kept me from testifying the first time and it's this Linda Perez from Vice and you'll see later in the series, if the name doesn't ring a bell, when you see her later in the habeas hearing, if you had not noticed, this is the same. She's now an RHD detective at the time that she, she threatened Gloria as a vice cop and threatened her that she was just going to make her life miserable if she testified in this case and scared her away. 
but she's now in RHD and we saw her when her, I guess her partner, Kyle Winters, they talk to Lankford and Maggie and give them the name Alvin Aquino about the Namayan flower, flower shop. So interesting that we have seen her before. And I think when you see the, if you don't pick it up with the name, I think when you see her face later in the episode, it's like, oh, we saw her earlier. So got to pay attention to those, to those details. But yeah, Gloria agrees to cooperate. And, but, but we find out that it wasn't, she wasn't afraid of testifying. She's, she's pretty set about doing that. She wants to do the right thing, but it was this vice cop, Linda Perez, that, that threatened her, pushed her out of the way. So let's see. So it's looking good that they're going to get to have the, the habeas hearing and to try, and this is all again about Jesus Menendez, who is, who has been wrongfully accused of, of the murder of Martha Renteria. So you know, everybody's rooting for him to have this hearing so that they can try to get the right guy. But Mickey wants a little bit of help from Griggs and he meets him outside the police building and um, asks him about Kyle Winters. Now, again, Kyle was the one with Linda when they were given the name up for the Namayan flower shop. So now we're talking about those two in regard to the Jesus Menendez case. Kyle was the lead on the case and Mickey has a suspicion that maybe Kyle Winters got Linda to threaten Glory Days to as kind of a way to grease the wheels for her to move up to RHD. She was a vice cop, and then she thinks maybe there was an arrangement there. Um, you, you know, quid pro quo, kind, quid, quid pro quo kind of thing. You threaten this witness, I'll help you get to RHD. So he's asking Griggs to look into that. You know, what, what's the deal there? And Griggs like, no, 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 I'm I, not my circus. I don't investigate cops, you know, and then Mickey pleads with them, you know, with the quote about there could be, he'd rather a thousand men, guilty men go free than one innocent person rot in prison. He says, this is about the one, this is about the one innocent person. He just pleads with him to, to help look into this, you know, and Griggs at you know, this point does not agree to help, but he does warn uh, Mickey. He's like, have you you know, have seen Trevor lately? There's, I think there's some big announcement going on today. Are you looking into whether he's still following you and threatening you? Um, so he gives him that warning again, just like he did at the beginning of the episode. You got anything? I was thinking scene? the same thing when he warned them. I was like, I was like, Mickey, wait, wait, you know, you, you had all these things going on throughout the season. You had these guys hired, watching the house. You had all the security back up. You just got attacked. You kicked the guy off the thing. <laughs> yeah. And you don't, like, take precautions at this point. A little sloppy, if you want my opinion. But yeah, I guess, it, you know, yeah. what, what what ends up happening later on in the episode, they don't have time to show, you know, I, I guess they, they had to make a decision. You know, do we do, you know, a 30-second clip of these guys following them as protection? Or do we give you a, you know, advance in the storyline that's going to lead into another season? So I right. get why they didn't give us more. Because mm-hmm. I don't think that they're just going to be like, oh, Mickey's just that, you know, ignorant or naive. Right. So right. I just think they just kind of, um, they just, you know, like I said, there's certain things you can show and you don't show. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure they could have spent, you know, like I said, you know, two, three minutes showing us this guy having security follow him for a day after right. it happened or whatever right. the case is or somebody. But I yeah, get it's it. A so, way, this character is a way to remind us that that is still going on. But the fact that they said that to him. Mm-hmm. Reminded us, like you said, yeah, that yeah. he's still in danger, which means to me as a TV watcher slash podcaster for all these years of my life, something's about to happen when he's going to put <laughs> yeah. him, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's the ultimate heads up for everybody. Yeah. Griggs has warned us twice in this episode now. Like, do you know? And we think everything's about? solved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, what are you, what are you talking about? Why is this still going on? This guy, is this guy like super paranoid? No. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, we've also talked about throughout the, the podcast and the series that that Mickey's always juggling a lot of stuff. And it, it appears that he's getting distracted, hopefully getting a victory for justice in this Jesus Menendez case. So we have to assume he's getting distracted, you know, with that and thinking more about justice and thinking about his own safety. But yeah, he's been warned twice now. You better figure this out. So he goes to see Trevor kind of upon Griggs advice and he confronts him about who's following him. He wants to know, are you, did you put all this together? Are you the one that's behind McSweeney? Are you the one that's trying to threaten me and take me out? And he calls him paranoid. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And, and Mickey also brings up that he still, that he wrote down everything about Trevor and what he knows and what he came to a conclusion of about what he thinks happened. So he's like, if you are trying to get me killed, if something happens to me, you know, my wife will have this written information and it will all come to light. And again, he's just like, you're nuts, man. He refers well, to counseling. <laughs> can I jump in here? Yeah. So I I thought in my head, I was like, so it's definitely not Trevor Elliott because, you know, what I'm saying, like I said, I didn't think there was and I felt like there was, you know, mm-hmm. but at this time, at, at this time in the episode, mm-hmm. I'm like, OK, wait a minute. If I believe Trevor Elliott didn't set up the McSweeney attack. Mm hmm. Then, you know, somebody else is going to come to to forefront. However, I don't think in my head, I'm like, Trevor Ellie's not that stupid. Mm-hmm, However, mm-hmm. <laughs> this guy had the case won and still testified <laughs> on his own behalf. <laughs> so, true. yes, Trevor Elliott is that stupid and still might have been responsible for Could being. Be. You know, for, so Could be. I I couldn't put this away. I had to keep watching as if Trevor Elliott's a main one of the main suspects because he's so dumb. <laughs> All because of what he did two episodes ago. You're the character, you know what I mean? Well, he's such an egomaniac, yeah, for sure. So yeah, he, he made stupid decisions based on thinking so highly of himself. So that, that's a good point. Much as he denies it, it still could be. You know, he could still be lying. But Mickey leaves, he's heading out. Uh, Trevor comes out to make the big announcement about a merger for Parallax and he's, you know, all just happy and excited and the crowd is cheering for him and he's making jokes, but then he also takes this moment to remember Laura and you're just like, Oh, he's such a phony. You know, I, hate I did guy. vomit in my mouth a little yeah, bit. When he a said little that. bit. Yeah. <laughs> that, I hated that moment. Um, and then he stretches his arms out like in victory for this merger and boom, 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 boom. Carol Dubois, the insurance agent, is in the crowd and she shoots Trevor dead. I mean, there's no way he survived that. And then we find out what that's called. Readers, you know, surely remember from the book that it's based upon the brass verdict. Griggs talks to Mickey later in the episode and he says that's what happens sometimes. And we call that the brass verdict when like someone on the streets or outside of the justice system takes care of, you know, thinks they're taking care of business and and tries to get bring justice, you know, in a sort of a rogue fashion on their own with the brass in the gun shooting him. So I knew stuff from the book. You is not a book viewer. Tell me how you felt about this scene. I felt four words. Jake from State Farm. Because you ain't never hear about Jake from State Farm shooting anybody. I'm just saying. And if Jay was here, he'd agree with me a thousand percent. Yeah. Yeah, so you didn't see it coming at all, huh? No, I didn't see it coming at all. I'm sitting there looking like, I honestly, you know what I thought was going to happen mm-hmm. while we're sitting there having this conversation? I thought he was going to be like, and I couldn't do this without my lawyer. Mickey, come here, come on the stage and try to like play it off like Mickey knew I was innocent the whole time and, you know, he knows oh. that. And, and then maybe have like Mickey make a comment or maybe Mickey now goes and walks away and finds a way to, to jeopardize him in a future of a different situation where mm-hmm. he can't, 
you know, get him, but he could make it his business, you know, to, to keep an eye on once he makes a mistake. Because Mickey can have Cisco investigate him and these bikers. Mm-hmm. He can do a lot of things to make, you know, Trevor's life unpleasant if he really wanted to and possibly look to nail him for the next thing he's going to do since mm-hmm. he knows that he's guilty. So, so I'm thinking, this is gonna, no, I didn't think he was yeah. going to get shot at all. I thought he was going to pull Mickey on stage. Or Mickey was going to plot some, like, mini passive-aggressive revenge. Mm-hmm. But boom, boom, boom. And I'm like, wow. It's over. This, this now? And then when you see who it is, you're like, this person wasn't hired by nobody. Mm-mm. No. This, this is was... like a vengeful revenge mission. Yeah. Yeah. This is very, very personal. And uh, now, you know, yeah, she showed up every day for court. And they drop a few hints with Lorna telling Cisco earlier in the season that she thinks something's off about her, like something just doesn't feel right, you know, and it all, it all comes full circle. But yeah, that must've been quite a moment for people who had not read the book and just had no idea that that was coming at some point. It was the last thing I expected to be honest with you. Yeah. So. Not even that him, see him getting shot. I could see, Mm -hmm. but by her, I didn't, I would never even guess it ever. If you told me, give me a million dollars to guess the top 10 candidates, she wouldn't even been one of them. Yeah. So yeah. genius no, for the you. surprise reveal. Yeah, yeah. Was, now she's going to jail for murder and we won't see her ever I know. Again. And that's the thing. Like you you hate Trevor. You're like, well, he shouldn't have gotten away with murdering his wife. But then I feel so bad for her. Her life's ruined now, you know. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just crazy. It's crazy. So Cisco is back at the office. Uh, he sees that a PB next to Harold Casey's case from the Road Saints. So, you know, presumably. But he was looking for that. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah, no, he, he didn't. No, he didn't just stumble upon it. He He's been sniffing around looking. for like three episodes, yeah. low key, humble, sniffing around the background. Yeah. And but when knew he, that he was going to have some sort of story payoff in this one. And I was waiting for it. So I'm happy. When he sees that it's pro bono, though, it's like confirmation to him that Mickey has made some kind of deal with him. Yeah. So he's like, you know, the wheels are turning for him and you can tell he's just not happy with that. Like he that's not sitting well with him that Mickey has made some kind of deal and is doing free work. But we know nothing about the situation. Let's just say that to start. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like we know zero to nothing about Cisco's past and what what happened with those bikers. So when we see that and we see him so like with that look on his face, we're like, okay, I want to know, like, give me, give me a flashback episode of him and the bikers. Like, okay, Mm -hmm. (laughs) let me know what the story is. I like stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So Mickey's also in the office. This is this is on Sunday now, and he's looking uh, through some of his files, and he comes across that jury summons again. And this time he looks at it a little bit longer, and he's like looking. We see the address and all the notations on the envelope and stuff. And the wheels are turning. You know, he's thinking about something, and we're like, he's really interested in this jury summons. You know, for some reason, but they made special note to to show that. Griggs shows up at the office about that time. And that's when he tells him the idea of it being what happened, being a, a brass verdict. Yeah. And I think Mickey asked him, you know, if the feds were looking into, you know, Jerry was making calls, having calls with the feds. So if they were at that point of having calls with him, maybe he brings up the notion of maybe there were other bribes. Like maybe this isn't the first time that maybe there's some kind of history of this happening. And that's why the feds are looking into it now. So it's Sunday, later in the day, Sunday dinner. Mickey goes over to Maggie's house. He sees the Robert Cardone sign in in her yard. So she is going for the guy that's not her boss, Janelle Simmons. She's supporting the other guy. And he, he makes some comments on that. They're having a great dinner. Haley looks so happy. They're making jokes. They're having family memories. Haley's helping with the dishes. She's just so happy to see her parents being happy in the same place that she'll do the dishes. She'll help do whatever. And it just, it has this feeling of, 
It just feels too good to be true. And let me tell you something. <laughs> they did a really good job because I was all aboard for this family merger. And I was like, yo, I would love if this was season two and they were doing this thing every night. Mm -hmm. They come home to dinner. Mm -hmm. And then I got so mad later on in the episode because of the conversation that they had that we'll discuss. Mm -hmm. And they disagreed upon. And it just made me so angry because I'm like, I don't want these two people in my show. I want those two, those three people in my show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and they did such a good job of building, of making the scene where you felt so happy inside. Yeah. You know, and yeah, they then, were so happy and we were so happy. too. And then they <laughs> took it away and it got me so angry. So yeah. good writing. Yeah, for but sure. bad character jerks <laughs> you know what I'm I, don't, I don't know how to say because like I, you know i'm not trying to be mean but you know i understand no, what's going no, on but we're, we're good we're job gonna... of building the arc so high up yeah they just dropped me so far down as if it was like a free fall when yeah. i see them having that conversation and i'm like where's the love from the you know 10 minutes ago but right we can in, this, in this show yeah <laughs> so yep great dinner it's all looking good and then the next day it's time to head into the habeas hearing Cisco meets with uh, on the bridge there with Mickey but before he goes into court he gives him some more information um, McSweeney and he um, his record because Mickey had asked him I need I want to see more about his record of arrests we knew he had a record and he wanted more detail on it so he Cisco brings it says he has it and actually Mickey tells him that he's got to give it to, to Griggs Mickey will give it to Griggs and he's when he looks at it he seems a little like take some there's some give on his face and and Cisco's like is it what you thought or not what you thought and he's like you know unfortunately I think it is so something's going on with what he finds in that arrest record and then Mickey points out that Cisco seems kind of off he seems pretty quiet but what's going on and Cisco says no no it's good but we know that he's kind of stressing well, this so let's we're into the habeas here and so let's just kind of go through this the basic facts so Gloria's on the stand she's explaining that this guy tried to attack her she kicked him and got away but before that she sees a tattoo on his arm he has a folding knife and he's left-handed and he brags that he's the one that really killed Martha not the other guy so those are these facts we get on the stand for her from her and Mickey wants to point out on the record that the person who did kill Martha was left-handed and there was like a folding type knife used like they could tell that so things are they're pointing out how you know they're trying to show how they had the, the wrong guy that it must have been this guy a couple other things come out in the exchange uh, the prosecutor tries to point out her profession being a prostitute and tries to take legitimacy away from her testimony because of that he suggests that she's being paid to testify and she makes it clear Which is character fashion yeah it's disgusting yeah. this guy should be ashamed of himself yeah. and there's people out there in real life that do this that should be ashamed of themselves that they do yeah so she also explains on the stand why she did not testify she explains that she was threatened by linda perez came to her hotel room threatened her and said that this sleazy lawyer was trying to use her but that the guy the guy was guilty so she threatens her she's going to make her life miserable um if she doesn't give up doing the testimony in the in the original hearing so gloria feels trapped what's she going to do so she leaves and linda perez gets on the stand deny 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 she says she was on a camping trip with her husband or son but no i wasn't at that hotel i didn't do that Boom, Mickey comes in with impeachment evidence. He has video footage that shows that she was in the service elevator at that, at that hotel on that date. And so 
Uh oh, Linda, right. you're caught lying. I'm gonna jump in here for mm -hmm. two reasons that are funny. Yeah. First of all, before we get to the to the you know Pete being a criminal part. Um, <laughs> <laughs> first of all, I don't know for some reason when he said he had a flash when I saw the flash drive, I was uh, like, please tell me there's something on that flash drive and it's not blank and it's not a bluff that he's trying to pull off. It's not you music. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I was like, please tell me this isn't gonna be the bluff trick that he does because I can I can see them doing it again. Yeah. Like yeah. these guys and then be like, oh, we don't want to see, we don't want to see. I'm, I'm, you know, know it out there to people. If you're gonna commit a crime and then say you were camping yeah. and that's your story. Make sure you go to the, the, the wilderness store and at least purchase some camping stuff. So you could be like, Hey, I have a receipt that says I purchased yeah. four sleeping bags and three, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, at least help yourself a little bit. If you think that that's yeah, because I'm gotta, just, you're going to make up a cover story, make it more believable. But the first thing I'm thinking is any campsite these days, you have to put money down. You have to have a, yeah, have a sign yeah. in, you don't just go. So even if you go out to the wilderness, I'm sure you went, grocery shopping and purchase survival like where's your trail yeah, the there's always a trail parking. and you're a cop yeah you know better you're a cop you know better so you just yeah. walked into the stand like hey i'm just gonna um why you know what i'm saying like what you think was gonna happen that's funny but there's no disputing that video she was there she knows oh yeah so um her attorney walks in mr daly and the, the judge shuts things down and gives her a chance to talk to her attorney. Now, I want to pause here for a second to point out my understanding is that Mr. Daly, I mean, it's an actor playing him, but that, I believe that's a nod to the attorney that has consulted a lot with Michael Conley to help him to help Michael create this Lincoln lawyer character. So I'm not saying that Mr. Daly is the Lincoln lawyer or based on him, but I believe that is the name of an attorney that has worked closely. With so, but yeah, I thought that they always have some good nods or cameos in, in Michael's shows. Um, so I, I think that's what they were trying to, to do there was give a nod to this attorney. What, how cool was the judge? Oh, good. He was good. There was such a cool judge. He's like, listen. He's like, I might have put somebody behind bars. And if that's the case, I want it straight out right blah, blah, blah now. And he's like, yeah. hey, clean that up a little bit. And that's <laughs> the know. best part because that's just like cliche from every team. Hey, clean it up a little bit when they cover the mic and everything. Well, it's even, even better, I think. And you talk about good acting. Um, I put this in my recap that you watched Ozark, right? Yes. So that judge, he played the really slime ball um, senator or, or politician in Ozark that anyways, he was such a slime ball in, in Ozark. And then he was a good guy fighting for justice. And, you know, it was kind of funny, but he was still rough. Well. Like, yeah, I liked, he was, like, yeah, yeah. Rough yeah. around the edges. Yeah. Yeah. Like even when he had that conversation with uh, Gloria and she was like, listen, dude, I just don't want this to be the case. And this, this is what, and this is messed up. And this is why. And he just like, looked at her like, okay, cool. You're dismissed. I get it. Like he, well, and he had know, like, the, when he reminded Mickey that there, there's no jury here. You don't have to. Yeah. You know, you're not a, nobody. Yeah. 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 I, I think he yeah. had some good lines and he, he pulled it off and, you know, I've only seen a little bit of him, but if they do yeah. have to go back to a court, I would, I wouldn't mind seeing him in season two. So let's throw that out there real quick. So net result is looking good for Mickey for hoping to get Jesus off because we have glorious testimony. We have evidence left-handed, the type of knife, everything the, her testimony that the guy boasted that he was the real killer. We've got impeachment evidence against Perez. She was indeed in the hotel. So it's all looking good for Mickey's side. They break so Perez can talk to her attorney. And yes. I want to jump in here for a second because I was telling you about this earlier and I was saving it for this moment. Go ahead. So I'm watching this episode and it's moving along and I'm like, all right, nice series finale. You know, it's, I mean, season finale. I was like, it's coming into the, you know, the, um, 
Maybe the marriage thing is working out. You know, mm-hmm. is gonna, you know, maybe get this guy free. They'll drag that along. So all of a sudden now, he has a meeting with Cisco. We don't know what's what. People are still chasing him. And I'm looking at the clock, and I'm like, all right, there's like 18 minutes left in this episode, and I have no clue what's going on, right? <laughs> yeah. And then in the next, like, 14 minutes, you just get hit, like, what, boom, like, boom, a, boom, boom. like a seven-layer cake. Mm-hmm. Uh, just boom, boom, like you said, boom, boom, boom. And, like, my head was spinning because, you know, we try to keep notes on these things. And, I mean, I, as a TV watcher, I appreciate these fast-moving, you know, moments where a lot of happens in a little bit of time. Because, for me, it's great. It, it gives me a lot of follow-through and it gives me mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, things. But when you're trying to keep notes and rewatch <laughs> it and you're pausing it and, there's, and you're just, like, trying to sink in your ideas on, okay, you know, this guy's getting out of jail now because of Linda Perez. And then the next thing happens where you're like, oh – this guy's now involved in this and this is going to affect this. And then they go to that and then they go to this and then they go to, and it's just like, wow, mm-hmm. the last like 14 minutes of the um, season is a whirlwind. And we're about to, we just started with, you know, with the first part of it, but yeah. I just felt like, like, wow, like what is going yeah. on? And then you just get nailed with a lot of information at once. So I'm excited yeah, to have scene, all this to discuss. This scene with the hearing is kind of the start of the avalanche that's going to happen in the rest of the episode definitely as a viewer, it's all connected kind of yeah it, 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 there's a lot of connection and a lot happens fast and you can't digest it all at once if you if, if you're a viewer even a book reader i don't know if you didn't have to go back and rewatch some of this I'd, i i'd be impressed because it's a it is a lot of information at once so we we have this break mickey goes and and talks to griggs and you know he had, he's uh saying that you know they, they caught her and, and he assumes that for like her immunity, she's probably going to rat on Winters. Yes. And, and, and he's like, well, about that. And they have a little quiet exchange that you don't hear. And Mickey has this weird look on his face and he all of a sudden runs to Maggie's office. And, and this is when of- I start to get confused. Yeah. yeah. Because what well, was yeah. said to him and why is he running to Maggie's office? Right. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll find out. Yeah. So he runs to Maggie's office and she's getting ready to go to a status conference and He's, he's like, not s- kind of subtly, but not so subtly saying, you need to take a plea deal here. You know, you if you don't want to Soto to get away, why don't you just take a deal? And she's like, no, I, I want to nail this guy. You know, you, don't you think I'm good enough? You know, you can I win against his team? He's like, yes, yes, yes. But knowing me and what I would do, I think they're going to make a plea deal. Maybe you should just take it. And she's like, I don't, I, um, she's like, I, I'll see you for dinner, you know, Sunday. I, I got to go. You know, she doesn't know what's going on. Well, we get back into the courtroom, Linda's back on the stand and she, to save her, butt, she's going to point out who asked her to threaten Gloria. And she says, the man in the back standing, not sitting, not Kyle Winters, but she's pointing to Lee Lankford, Detective Lee Lankford. Um, I don't think we even mentioned that he had come into the courtroom this whole time. He was consulting on the case. Kyle was the lead and Lankford was consulting on it. And he is the one that got her to threaten Gloria days. So boom, back to Maggie, we now know that that's going to blow up her case because Langford is no longer a, a good witness, you know, to testify with the contents of the, the wire recording. So that's, he's, he's not a you know, reliable witness or going to be seen as a reliable witness at this point. So that kind of blows up her case. So victory for Jesus Menendez Good for Mickey in that regard. Very bad for Maggie's case. She shows up at Mickey's office 
later that evening and is just irate. And I think you probably want to talk about this exchange, Pete. You have a lot. I have about two this. questions before we get into that. Mm-hmm. First question I have for you, since Mickey was the first person to receive information of this knowledge and you know, we're going to get into the conversation they had, which she brings up a very good point, which brought me back to this moment. Mm-hmm. Should he have told her what was going on and trusted her not to say anything about Langford in that situation? Like, should he say, listen, take the plea deal because I just found out this is going to blow up your case. This is why I'm doing this. I care about you. And just please don't don't ruin my thing and tell Langford under any circumstances, blah, blah, blah. Do you think he should have told her the truth or do you think he did the right thing? I don't know. I mean, it's such a, so that is a a good question. There's just so many variables in this and that's what, you know, is going to highlight in this conversation that makes their relationship so contentious because he, how many times have we heard in this episode from anybody, we got to keep this airtight, you know, dot our I's, you know, cross our T's. We've got to follow the rules. We've got to make this clean. And so He's trying to protect his case. He's got a guy that's been in prison for 15 years that's innocent. And so he doesn't want to jeopardize that. He wants him to get free. He's got a very good reason for trying to keep his case airtight. And of course, as she talks to him through this conversation, Maggie has very good reasons for wanting Soto to go to jail. She talks about trafficking victims that she's met with and the horrors of what he's done. He had her witness killed. She can't, he can't get away with that. So I don't think there's a good answer. I, I don't know if you have an opinion to your own, uh, on your own question. What would you have done? I think I would have done what, what Mickey did. I think I, you know. Because I feel like at that moment, you're choosing your career over your marriage. I'm not saying he did, I, I probably would do the same thing Mickey did. Yes, because, you know, that's just the part of the rules. But to me. I think it's okay. I think it's more a matter of it's not choosing your career over your ma- marriage. It's can your marriage handle your careers? Which it can't. And you're right. Yeah, I, I, I like the way. You just rephrased that because I asked the question in, in the beginning of the podcast and you phrased it properly. It's not necessarily the thing I said. It's the thing you said where both of their careers cannot be cannot handle because of the situations that they're in their marriage, which is, is shown there. Now, the second question I have for you is I'm thinking about this, too. So this guy who is sentenced to 15 years gets off because he's innocent. Mm-hmm. But a guy who's super guilty also gets off. So what's the less of two evils? Well, at that point, yeah, we, we're afraid that Soto's going to get off. But I mean, let's just jump ahead. She she calls the U.S. Attorney's Office and gets her friend involved, and they arrest Soto. So because yeah. I was mad, I was mad. Yeah, because no, I, I, I I wanted see this is and this is why I say the GI Joe Disney thing. The Disney because yeah. I, I'm like we can't get both. I'm right. like we're going to lose Soto. So maybe he becomes a bad guy in season two, and they keep chasing him, and he's the main character in season two as as the enemy, the the heel, the villain. Mm-hmm. You know, because I didn't see I didn't see what comes coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me neither. And mm-hmm. and I'm just like, OK, the innocent guy should definitely be free under any circumstance. Right. That's mm-hmm. agreed. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah, probably yeah. The, that's probably the, the the more important. as But, you know, it's not necessarily more important. It's just like I it's said, you know, yeah, it's, it's just yeah, you got to get both. So I'm glad we did, because like you said, <laughs> you know, she, he gets free. Right. They're yeah. in the courtroom. He gets free. They she, she already made that call. We didn't know what was going to happen. Right. And they're like, oh, he's free. We dropped the charges. But at that moment in the conversation, when, when Maggie comes in and confronts Mickey at his office and they're having this argument about their careers, about their marriage, how they don't put each other first and, and trying to point fingers and blame, 
you do, you do, we do feel, I felt at this point that Soto was going to get off. I hadn't figured it all out. You know, that did come as a surprise to me and that does help make it a better ending. Like, you, you know, you talked about the Disney stuff, but we didn't know at that point. And it just, it, that heated exchange, you just felt like still at that point, I wanted them to be able to make it work. I thought we saw enough in the episode and of the season of them, of the good things about their relationship that I still wanted to fight for them. But it just, in the middle of that conversation, it seemed like it just can't work. Like you just can't, like put trying to put a square peg into a circle hole, you just won't fit. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was like, okay, well, maybe they'll resolve this. Maybe they'll figure something out in season two. And then we hear about the other series coming with her star. Which is like it. I said, when I heard yeah. about this, I was like, okay, <laughs> that makes more sense now of how they can, you know, yeah. really, you know, separate the situation they have there yeah. in now. But there's still a lot to resolve because they have a child and they have to do what's best for Haley and not them being together and fighting is not necessarily best for Haley, but them both being in her lives, I think is definitely important for Haley. So they've got to figure out a way to still parent together. So this, no matter what happens with the new series and her role and and all that and their relationship, they still have to continue to address her new boss. So Robert Cardone won. He's the new boss. He says, we're dropping the case. And then, but, you know, we've already jumped ahead that they're, you know, they're dropping the charges, but then the U.S. attorney's office comes in and yeah. says, we're taking over. So we don't know exactly what happens with Soto. Will we? I don't know. But we know that, that he's still being, you know, prosecuted. So he did not just fully get away. So they take the case. Cisco meets with the road saints. He's like, I take care of my debts. Teddy points out, Mickey's trying to, you know, that you can't just leave. Someone's got to take care of this. Your debt's what you owe. You can't just walk away. He says, it's not a social club. And Cisco's saying, well, I should do that. I should take care of that debt, not Mickey, by doing free cases, you know, covering cases for pro bono for you. So we don't really know what his debt is, but we see him driving off on his motorcycle. We, we move into that sort of after um, closing type thing. So we see Cisco riding out. We don't know where. We don't know what he's been asked. What's been asked of him? I know what he's been him. asked, but I'm not telling you. Oh I already yeah, know what's you know. Yeah, okay, okay. You I plotted out this. Well, listen. You want you want to know my prediction? I'll tell you real quick. <laughs> so Cisco is driving away to to infiltrate another biker gang. That's a rival biker gang. He's going to become a member of that biker gang. You'd be like, oh no, Cisco joined the biker gang. He's out of. He doesn't. You know, whatever. And then he's going to infiltrate them, and they're going to take them out. And then he's going to go back and be like, all right, I'm free. And then he's going to go back with Lorna Mick. Okay, writers, if you're listening, if you haven't figured out what you're going to do, <laughs> there's there's Pete's ideas. But yeah, not only does Bob drop the case, he drops Maggie from her current position. He moves her. Uh, she's going to be working for the Van Nuys office, and, and she calls that freeway therapy, which if you do some Google search, and there's, there's a precedent for that and why it's called that, and like basically punishing someone. This is going to have this crazy commute. If the case is, it's not going to be the same. And, and yeah, but they can they easily do. have her... I'm like I'm saying like the the you know you won't see much of her in that office yeah. I feel yeah. and then well, she's even not, in yeah. two or three yeah yeah she's going to move to the Van Nuys office so she definitely won't be there in downtown you know where Mickey is all the time that's for sure that's um, what I'm saying so you you don't have to cast her as much mm-hmm. which solves mm-hmm. your problem you bring her around True. for you know a couple episodes get her in there do a flashback episode you know make mm-hmm. sure she's there for the premiere and the finale and you're all right 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 okay then. The hammer drops in close to the to the last scene when Mickey meets with Judge Holder. Um, they have their final conference, status conference about him taking over Jerry's cases. 
she says, you know, I don't think I need to supervise you, you anymore. We're, we're good to go you know, to sign off on the, the agreement and that they're done meeting. And do you want to talk about this? What, what happens here? I feel like he had, he had this whole scenario figured out, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I don't remember half those conversations. Yeah. Well, he slowly reveals, you know, that he knows what's up. He makes a comment. He starts. But you know what I'm saying, though? Like what yeah. I mean is like he's like, oh, then I spoke to this guy and this guy told me this and I spoke to this guy. I don't remember those things happening. Right. Those weren't things that happened during the season. That's just his. Not all of it was was shown. That's what I'm saying. So sense. like I'm like, oh, OK. I'm like, wait, did I miss this? I started bugging right. out. I'm like, yo, did I miss all these scenes? Like when I first watched it, I was like, yo, did I miss that? Like, did I skip through it? And then after watching it a few times, like each, you know, that one through 10. Yeah. I'm like, yo, they definitely didn't show this part and this part and this part. So I kind of got a little bit angry because I didn't know these. Well, they didn't show everything. So I kind of got a little bit angry that they didn't show me everything (laughs) that they did. But I understand that they needed to come to a conclusion and they weren't going to drag that scene out that long. Yeah. Okay. So So I get it. Let's walk through it a little bit. Let's walk through it a little bit. So she says that she's done well. They're done meeting, uh, having their um, meetings. So Mickey just casually makes a comment about six figures a pop is for rigging a jury. That's pretty good. And she's like, what are you, excuse me, very self-righteous. What are you talking about? So he's laid out there. You're the one who rigged the jury. So that we're like, and we're like, what? You know, if you didn't know or had no clue, it, it's, a, it's a great reveal. But then it just sort of unfolds in the scene. And he starts walking through how he figured it out. You know, remember he was staring at that jury summons envelope. There's all these rules about it. And he's like, oh, she has access. Remember, she was the one doing the video about for the jurors, you know, that came in the educational video. In her position, she has access to jury summons correspondence. She obviously is very well versed in jury selection. She, She knows how to pick a person that both sides would like. This, this, this juror, you know, didn't get, Yeah, this is her specialty. Yeah. This is her specialty. And then he's like, and then another kicker is when the, he gave judge Stanton the quote anonymous note that gave her, she, he consulted with someone uh, about it. Judge Stanton did. He says, if you go back to that scene, he says, yeah, and I consulted with someone and we're going to dismiss them and we're going to start again tomorrow. Well, because he took talked to her, he figured he talked to her and that gave her time to warn McSweeney. So he went AWOL, you know, mm-hmm. he's gone all of a sudden. So because you know, it's the pieces are starting to come together. She knew about Mickey's drug problem. So she knew how to put a cover story together and draw him out to that overlook by saying that um, having someone represent having McSweeney or whoever call and say that they're police and that they're there with Izzy and she needs to be picked up. Yep. She had, she had the information about that. And then he's like, and your husband, Mitch Lester. And she brought this up. If you go back further. No, you know, I, I remember she did bring up that part of the yeah, first episode. He's a, he's yeah. a defense attorney. And so it's like, Oh, he can find clients or, or cases and lawyers that might be susceptible to a bribe he can identify them, draw them in, and they make the offer. So they're, you know, they're working together. And because her husband had worked on cases with Mitch Lester, her husband had worked on cases with McSweeney and his arrest record, that gave enough evidence for them to do a wiretap. So then, you know, it's got, and when he says that, that's when Griggs walks in, you know, so people have been listening. We had the wiretap. You're caught. And, you know, it, it, amongst this, as he's rolling out this evidence, she's still trying to, you know, sound above it all. I could ruin your career. 
I have this. And she's not helping her story. She's just hurting it because she it, she's kind of like bribing him. Like, you know, well, I it's can, over. It's, it's over. I think, yeah, it's like the, yeah. Thing, like the five stages of like this. It's like <laughs> anger, denial, acceptance. Like, you <laughs> yeah. know, like that's what she went through real quick. Yeah. All of them. But it's a it's a great reveal because she's just such a pristine follow the rules character you know throughout the thing she didn't she made mickey write that check when he was late and stuff and it was just so gratifying to see her knocked off her pedestal and learn that she was the one all along also the last person you would think really if, yeah you know, it was like, a great, i didn't see was, that coming yeah, yeah no it was a great reveal uh great writing and of course you know drawn from michael conley's writing and then just put to screen and in such an effective way i great scene and you know it was also it was a great payoff seeing Griggs and Mickey work together on something they had mm-hmm. been butting heads for so long through the season and to see them working together that's pretty cool you know maybe we're gonna see more of them working together and this is gonna become a thing too so that that was a, a really neat moment so boom she's she's toast she's caught a couple other things we see as this as the episode wraps up um we see Jesus Menendez being freed. We see them arriving at Calipatria prison. And did you notice that they're traveling down that road and that's the road they've been traveling the whole time. This is a flash forward, basically. Yes. Which was uh, ultimate payoff for me because you know me, I'm all about that scene. You love that part. Yeah. To to see like, you know, yeah. To get, that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. It all came together at that Mm -hmm. moment. And it really made me like, that was, like I said, I had all kinds of good vibe, happy vibes going on at this point because yeah. everything was good. You know, this guy's free. You know, they 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 solved this. This lady got caught. They figured this one out. Mm-hmm. And now they just show me my favorite part of the whole series, <laughs> you know, built up in little pieces. And now here's the payoff. Yeah. And that it makes think, sense yeah. that they would have this long drive and would have all these conversations, you know, because she said after. Yeah. After, after seeing that, it, yeah. after seeing it in pieces, you see how it all went down and they had that comment no but we're watching that conversation thinking when was this conversation taken yeah when yeah where are they driving out when's this now we happening? find out that this conversation started per se when it started in episode one the conversation it was after the events had taken place because they're driving to go see him free yeah right right so right. this was like for them Makes even more sense a, it was a recap for them yeah but we didn't realize it was a recap yeah very clever very well done and i'm glad they came full circle with that instead of just thinking that they had these like sort of magical talks, you know, well, that's what I kept thinking. Is this, yeah. is this, is this one of those things that's inside his head? Like, is it right. this Mickey right. head? Like yeah. this is where he goes to yeah. think his conscious is this him having, you know, blown off steam in his head. Yeah, def- definitely another good payoff. So it was great to see Jesus hugging Mickey. You know, he was just mad at him before, right. But you know, he just didn't have the faith in him that, that he was really going to do this. And sure enough, you know, they did it, and he was so happy to be freed. His family, very, very good moment. We see Lorna pushing the button, applying to go back to Southwestern Law School. So she's made a decision there. Again, we talked about Cisco riding off on his motorcycle. And then in the final scene, we see Mickey with his uh, suit on, ready to surf. He's going to get back in the water. You know, and that's how we yes. started the season, but he's in his clothes. Not going to get in the water, but he's watching the water. He's thinking about it, thinking about what happened. And now he's ready to get back in the water. Jesus has been freed. It's come full circle. He, it's a big, major step in his life that he can move forward with. Yes, that's what um, I thought. It was a moving so, forward. Great music by um, Cage the Elephant, the song Trouble. It's just very fitting. As you see this montage, he goes into the water. But then 
you see a man watching him and from behind and then they flash down to his arm and you see the tattoo on his so, left arm on his left arm so this is presumably the real killer that's at large the one that killed martha renteria so looks like we will be picking back up with that story and and not just picking up with trying to hunt him down he's watching mickey so yeah it's uh like you you talked about all these good things but then you got that one like oh crap moment all right before we go and have you listen to ted and manuel uh we got some trivia and i actually have one for you pete who do you want to go go first first. you You let me go first okay yeah all right when mickey was attacked he's back at home you know, icing himself, and uh, he's talking to Lorna and Cisco on the phone. They're back at the office. They've got champagne. It looks like donuts set up to celebrate. What kind of donut is sitting in the box? Okay, so I totally thought you were about to ask the same trivia question I had because it's very similar. Okay. Um, but it's not, and I'm going to say Boston cream. I can't say about the cream, but it was a, a donut with chocolate on the top. And sprinkles is what it looked like. I mean, I'm not going to swear by it since I'm not the set. Then it's probably not a Boston cream because Boston creams only don't have sprinkles. Yeah, I wouldn't think that. Yeah, I think I think it was probably just it it showed the donut with chocolate and sprinkles on top. I wouldn't think that had cream in it. So, um, all right, go ahead. So in the beginning of the episode, he's in his in and out of his refrigerator and his freezer, and he's getting stuff out of it. What is the temperature of his freezer? Oh my gosh! So easy, it's hard. (laughs) <laughs> there was it, so many little documents in this episode. I was like, she's going to drive herself crazy. Look at all these documents. I'm going to give her the most simplest one. Oh man. Well, it's a freezer, so it's got to be freezing, right? So 32 degrees. Now here's the funny thing. It wasn't, it was 37 oh. because he had the freezer open while he was oh. pulling the ice out and he was on oh, the right. phone and he walked away with the freezer open. Okay. So when they yeah. show you the scene, it goes to 37. Cause then when he closed it later on, uh-huh. Um, in the in the show it's later on the show not that part but later on it uh-huh. actually is 32 when they show you him again oh so but in that moment yeah. that the trivia question i asked you when it was you know in that moment yeah, it was open yeah 37 yeah. very good all right i got one more for you speaking of that okay. table where they're sitting there where the donuts and they're talking on the phone how many champagne glasses were on the table four yeah that's right four all right you got it you're the winner you got one right i'll take good it. you I'll take it because when a mic gives me trivia, I never come close. <laughs> I know. We, we have to take the wins where we can. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Trivia. So, yeah, there we are. Good stuff. Great season. We've got season two to come and we'll keep following along. We, we really appreciate all the insights that, that Ted has given us. He has a show running partner now. Dalen Rodriguez is also going to be show running in the second season so we've got her and ted working together it's going to be great and yeah we'll just keep you posted on our coverage of the show and it was it was fun doing it with you pete i mean we really appreciate jay and mike and the the input that they provided but with just you and i here to talk about the fact that you didn't read the book and i did so it was just it was really fun looking at it from those different perspectives yeah it gives you both sides of the state yeah yeah yeah, and we, and we dropped those couple of big spoilers on you a couple episodes to go to. <laughs> Thank you, the listeners, for taking in the podcast. Yeah, it was a great season. Us a listen, so. Great season, people. We look forward to season two. All righty. Stay tuned. We've got the final parts from Ted and Manuel Garcia Rufo. Enjoy.
Yeah. What's up, me, Ted? How are you? It's good. I'm, I'm good, brother. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for, Mexico, thanks, for, thanks for doing this. What is more fun to film? I mean, acting is your job, your craft, it's work, but I would imagine some things might be a little more fun than others. The scene with Judge Holder, where it's like a gotcha kind of scene, or the mm -hmm. scene with Jesus at the end, where it's just so much emotion involved. Do you enjoy one more uh, than the other? I, I enjoy all of it, I think. But I, what I enjoy the most, especially in this project, was the court scenes, even though it was like a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but I love them. I, I mean, when I had like, you know, when I had the time and everything and I had the like, it was really fun because it's just like, it just felt like theater. Yeah. But, you know, with the, with the exception that you can mistake, you know, that you can make mistakes and just repeat it. You know what I mean? Because you have like a live audience and I don't know. I really enjoyed it. Even though Ted is going to say that I... <laughs> You were great. I just, I just know those scenes were, some of them were so hard for you. They, they were, they, you know, they were. they're grueling scenes and you're talking about like pages and pages of dialogue, complicated dialogue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, anytime you're making a TV show, you're making it on a schedule and a, and a budget. So you got like a lot, you know, you're shooting for 12 hours a day. So just imagine 12 hours in the courtroom yeah. on dialogue and those sets get hot. We're shooting yeah, the show yeah. in the summer in the, in the San Fernando Valley in LA, and there's like mm -hmm. these hot lights and everything. Yeah, it's hot and uh, it's 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 a long day. Yeah. Well, in those scenes, you no, have no, no. multiple audiences because you have the viewers that are finally watching the scene, but you got the gallery actors in there and the jury actors, so you're you're performing for yeah, a yeah, lot yeah, of yeah, folks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For a lot of folks, yeah. yeah. Which, like I said, is like theater, kind of, you know, because yeah, they're reacting. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know, kind of, uh, if you make a joke, they can react. And, yeah. You know, it was, it was like, of course, it was really, really hard. I'm not going to lie, but it was yeah. really fun. Awesome. I like hearing that. When Greg says, do you ever clock out, counselor? You know, it's kind of a rhetorical question, but it makes us all think about how Mickey lives with his job 24-7. And we, you yeah. know, we see that Maggie does that as well. Looking at a future season, do you think that that is even a possibility for Mickey and maybe Maggie, for that matter, to even consider? Are they even capable of not living this job 24-7? I don't think for Mickey Holler. <laughs> I don't think that that's yeah. possible. I mean, to be with Maggie, I mean, that's that's the idea, you know. But right. to leave his work, I think that's, you know, that's his DNA. <laughs> I, right. I don't think he can, you know, like, I think if you... You know how some people retire from their job and they're very healthy. And then once they retire, they start like having health problems. Right. I think that that would happen with okay. Mickey. Like if you will. Yeah. Even if he's like, okay, I'm not going to work that much. I'm just going to be like 90% or 70%. Okay. Uh, he will kill him. I think all that energy that he has, he will go crazy. He will go to drugs again or, you know, do something yeah. crazy. Yeah. Okay. So it's all. <laughs> yeah. Well, that creates the tension yeah. in the relationship that, you know, everybody loves. We, you want them to be happy, but I can see that it's not an easy thing. So, and that's, people want to yeah, fight for, fight for relationships in series too. So yeah. I think Ted knows that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Using that to his advantage. Well, Ted, speaking of the court scenes, are there any rule? Well, I'm sure there are, but can you speak a little bit to any rules with closing arguments, like time constraints or content? There's not a lot. I mean, there's not okay. really a time constraint rule besides at some point, if you go on for too long, the judge might say, wrap it up. But sometimes okay. closing arguments can go on for hours. Um, okay. I, I wouldn't, but some people mm -hmm. do, you know, okay. there's no specific time constraint on it. 
And as far as what you can present, Mm -hmm. you know, it's an argument. It's not, you are not bound by evidence. Again, and technically you can object in a closing argument. It's just not very wise to do so, right? Okay. Okay. Unless somebody's doing something really egregious. It's not very wise to object because it it looks petty, I guess, right? Mm -hmm. So people do get away with insinuations and things in closing arguments that they wouldn't get away with during the course of the trial. Okay. Okay. And Mickey kind of conveys that, that same spirit in the show. So that just, that, yeah, that makes sense with what we learn actually in the series too. No, I kept telling Ted because, you know, he's a lawyer and I kept telling him, yeah, you're Mickey Holler. <laughs> you're Mickey Holler because he was always on, I mean, we were both under this, you know, because you get a lot of pressure, especially yeah. on COVID times, you know, because you have, um, the, so there's a lot of, um, uh, yeah, there's a lot of, uh, the stakes are really high on everything. Yeah. So I think I saw Mickey Holler on him, and you know, <laughs> he saw Mickey Holler. I definitely me. saw it yeah. on you. Yeah. It's awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> well, y'all, right. y'all, y'all made a great team then. It it fuels you. It really does. Like we both had some of Mickey Holler. Yeah, yeah. We had to make this thing work. So we sure. did. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. 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 Well, for you, Ted, and then oh, for you, Manuel, also writing that finale episode, season finale episode with Michael Conley, I just wonder just if you had anything to say about that experience, or I'm just so curious if you ever disagreed on anything, uh, you know, in, in writing the episode. And then for you, Manuel, just how much interaction did, did you have with, uh, with Michael on the set? I'll go first. Uh, so, my, you know, Michael was really involved all through the season. Michael was in... Uh, the writer's room as often as he could be. And he, he, you know, was a really active participant in like building the stories. Uh-huh. Uh, and obviously the, the, the scripts are based on his book. I mean, we did, we did create other stories and deviate from the book and stuff, but the main kind yeah. of story comes from his book. Right. Uh-huh. So, you know, it, it, in a way, Michael could get a co story credit on all these scripts and some I mean, he kind of does cause they all say based on the book by, right. Right. You know, it was really fun to write that last episode with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we disagree on things all the time, but we do it in a <laughs> friendly way. Michael's a really great guy, and we do it. Yeah. And, and, and uh, you know, actually, I'm joking. I say we disagree on things all the time. We actually hardly ever disagree on things, but you know, everybody disagrees on something once in a while. But in, sure. in writing that script, no, we did not really. Okay. We knew exactly what we wanted it to be. We built the entire season up to that point. So, no, there was no difficulty writing that script. And it was just great. I, I was really glad to have his name on the script. I just think it's great for the show. Um, yeah. It, it yeah. shows the the level to which he's invested in the show and i know that's super meaningful for his fans so mm-hmm. yeah yeah it does go a long way sure your turn man it, yeah i mean for me i did have some conversations you know uh, he reached out when uh, you know like i don't know like a month or two months before shooting and i talked to him a lot you know and it was it was for me it was really helpful okay. um i mean he's a you know, he's a, the, the creator of Mickey Holler, you know, so he, he I don't know, I, I think the best piece of advice that he gave me, which was like an, an opener for me, like uh, to build a character was what he said about, you know, when he, when he was shooting the film with Matthew McConaughey, uh, that Matthew, you know, Michael asked Matthew, so what do you, you know, why did you agree, you know, playing, why, why are you playing Mickey Holler? Why, what, you know? Mm-hmm. And Matthew said, oh, you know what? Mickey Holler is a character <laughs> or a man that dances in the rain without getting wet. Mm-hmm. And, and, and for me, that was such a vivid image. Yeah. You know, so, such a rich image that 
to see this man like jazz, you know, working, right. juggling all these things like mm-hmm. ex-wives and the daughter and the cases and the addiction and da da da, and still not getting wet, you know, still getting mm-hmm. through and and. But yeah, he. I mean, that was that was the best piece of you know, like yeah. I was like, okay, so this is this is this guy, and then of course having him. I don't know, just having him on set because he would go to set very often. Having him there, just you know, just have just little questions or little. I don't know. You just feel supported by the man who created yeah. these characters. You know, that's powerful. Yeah, for sure. I, I would echo that the feeling supported part. The great thing about having Michael so involved in the show, he, I mean, he really is. You know, just a great guy. He's, he's a uh, he's a mensch. He's just a he, you know he doesn't have. He created this character. He wrote all these books. He's got this huge you know, successful line of, of books that he's written that are huge, you know, incredibly critically acclaimed and have a huge audience and everything. Mm-hmm. And yet he's still just kind of got this attitude of like, he's excited about all this. He's excited about making the show. He's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah. he, and he's, he's a, but the, the great thing about it for me is that I feel like if we make the show and Michael's happy with it, yeah, then I'm happy. And, sure. okay. and then and nobody really has, a, you know, people can like it or not like it, but nobody's really got a right to be unhappy with it, right? If, if the creator of the books is happy, yeah. then his fans will also be happy because they, you know, he feels like we've done right by what he did. And I, yeah, I mean, he what definitely better, feels that way. So that makes me feel good. Sure. What yeah. better seal of approval? Yeah, I, I, I kind of feel the same in yeah. that way because, you know, I always like, oh, if, you know, I have to do good. Like, I have to do right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like be up the standards of what the the character he created yeah no he's amazing yeah for sure wow well one thing about the ending we we got we had some cliffhangers some things that are open that we want to see continue we got a little bit of closure with nikki going back out into the water but then bam you send us the tattoo guy you know at the very end i'm wondering from a writing perspective ted is there are there like different classifications of cliffhangers or like what do you what do you call that when you because you know you know you just like bam you got us at the end what that's how do a you, 13b3 um, <laughs> how do you talk about that in the writer's room like we're going to give them one more <laughs> no i mean it's a cliffhanger right it's just, yeah. Yeah. netflix shows you know cliffhangers work because there's a while between sometimes there's a little bit of a while between seasons you want to make people want to mm-hmm. come back they work at the end of episodes and they work mm-hmm. at the end of the season and we definitely have a story in mind for how that's going to play out okay. in season two. And, and um, you know, readers of Michael's books will have a sense of who that character is based on and mm-hmm. where that comes mm-hmm. from. And, and uh, But we're going to change that as we already have. We're going to change that yeah. storyline a great deal from what's in the books. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, this was very, very effective. I, I don't want to take too much of you all's time. So I just have one more kind of fun question and I'm going to let you guys get on with your day. But uh, for both of you, which either is or would be, depending on who's done which of these, uh, what's more fun, wearing all the fancy suits that Mickey wears, driving the Lincoln convertible, or enjoying the views from Mickey's deck? You go, my love. And I think I will go with with the old Lincoln. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you looked good doing it. I have to tell you, you really did. (laughs) It it works on you. I it's, was all, just, it's all it's all about the Lincoln. <laughs> I was just talking to my brother yesterday about this. I talked to my brother about everything. We're really close. But there's the one image from the show. I think it's from episode eight, Manuel, of you driving the car 
that's out there. It's one of the images that, you know, is in articles and stuff about the show that I love. And it's very like, it's kind of like part Jim Rockford and part almost like Jake Giddis from Chinatown, Jack Nicholson in Chinatown, you know, it's just, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It, it's just, a, it's just so cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I love that. Yeah. Anyway, I, I never got to wear the suits. Okay. Or drive the car. I wish I got. I, I, I could probably <laughs> drive the car. I just never did. Like I yeah. guess I could go to our transport people and say, "Hey, I got another car." But <laughs> I did get to see the view, and the view is great. So there you go. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Fantastic. Well, thank you both so much for your time. Really, it's very generous of you, and um, we had so many interesting things to say. Really appreciate it, and uh, y'all have a great day. Our pleasure. All right. Thank you again, Manuel. Thanks, Manuel. Bye.